Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome back to the Jet Press Podcast. My name is Justin Freed and I'm joined as always by my man, Mike Luciano. Mike, what's going on, man? How you doing? Well, I, I want to get one segment out of the way really quick. Aaron Rodgers watch. Nothing happened. All right. <laughs> now that that's out of the way, thank you guys so much for tuning back in. We love you guys. All those recurring visitors from other countries too. Australia. We had a couple guys. Ireland, Spain. We had one in France. Thank you guys so much all over, wherever you may be, however you may be listening. As always, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that you get your podcast, you can download us over there. Also on YouTube, at the Jet Press, you can hit that little bell in the top right too. You can get a notification on your phone whenever it is that we go live. Now that that is out of the way, Justin Freed. Man, we need to probably take a little break from wide receiver predictions specifically. We got <laughs> Alan Lazard right. whoop de doo Alan Lazard. And after that, we also said Elijah Moore would not get traded. Ten minutes later, Elijah Moore gets traded. We've been operating as if Corey Davis is going to get cut. As of right now, Corey Davis is still on the roster. And we've also thought, you know what, Odell Beckham is probably going to end up signing with the Jets on a one-year deal, probably a little bit on the cheaper end, maybe six years, seven uh, six million, seven million. That'd be appropriate. And then all of a sudden, Easter Sunday, I'm getting back from Easter Sunday. I look at my phone. Odell Beckham has signed with the Baltimore Ravens a one-year deal that could reach up to $18 million. That is not a typo. That is not me mispronouncing anything. $18 million, if everything goes correctly, with the Baltimore Ravens. And now, I get that the popular way to look at this, especially if you're an anti-Jets guy or a Jets hater, would be, oh, look at the Jets. They bungled another free agency thing. That's the common refrain. I've seen it a bunch. You've seen it a bunch. We all get it. I was thrilled. When this happened, because we were talking about Odell as a luxury piece, and I think Joe Douglas viewed him as a luxury piece, a guy who'd be fantastic to have if the Jets were able to land a guy like him, because he's still somewhat productive, even though he's not what he was in his days with the Giants. Then we see $18 million a year to essentially be what, the top receiver? That's top receiver money, $18 million a year. For a guy who's going to be 31, he's coming off his second ACL injury in what, three seasons? And he has had a 1,000-yard season since Baker Mayfield's rookie year, I believe. That is a gargantuan price to pay for Odell Beckham. I'm happy the Jets aren't weighed down by this contract. For sure. I was my, my immediate reaction when I saw he signed with the Ravens was, I want to see what the contract details are. Because if it was like $7, 8000000 you know, a guaranteed, I would have been like, I think the Jets could have paid that. And I would have been surprised if they didn't pay that. Then we saw the max 18 million and I was like, okay, max, what's, that's the incentives. What's the actual value? I was still thinking, I'm like, that's gotta be heavy incentives. turns out it's $3 million in incentives. 
$15 million guaranteed for a player who, like you had mentioned, hasn't had a thousand yards of the season since 2019. By the time uh, the, the week one rolls around in September, it'll be two years pretty much since he stepped on the field. It's, it's pretty amazing that he got that money. And I want to say shout out to Odell Beckham for getting that money. Shout out to his agent for getting him that deal, because that is a crazy, crazy contract. Basically, the Ravens saw it as we don't want him to visit with the Jets because he was supposed to visit with the Jets on Monday. The Ravens basically worked this out. It sounds like on Saturday night and they said, we don't want you visiting the Jets. Here's this offer that you essentially would be an idiot to turn down. And he would have been if he turned this down, the visit with the Jets who are going to give him not close to this. Like I know I, I put something out on Twitter and Rich Samini responded and he said that you'd be surprised how much they were willing to offer because the Jets were seriously interested. I don't think they were coming close to 15 million. I don't know that. But if they did, if they were thinking about that, that's very silly on their part. Uh, I think the Ravens just offered ex an extreme amount of money uh, to keep him from visiting with the Jets. Because I think deep down, Odell Beckham wanted to join the Jets, given everything that we heard that he was leaning towards signing with them, all of the informal visits that he had with Robert Sala, whether it was at the league meetings, they met at a Suns game. Like they were, they've been ch chatting since January about this. Uh, and obviously, of course, Aaron Rodgers saying that he wants Odell Beckham there, Sauce Gardner's recruitment. It seemed very likely that Odell Beckham was going to join, join the Jets. But when you offer when you offer a guy 15 million guaranteed and 18 million max, you know, given what we've seen from Beckham the last few years, that's a crazy deal. So I, I will agree with what we're saying here that, you know, the Jets dodged a bullet here. They weren't going to pay that money. I would have loved to have Odell Beckham on, on the Jets roster. I think he's a good if he's healthy, solid, you can expect wide receiver two, wide receiver three production from him right now. Obviously, if he can get back to his pre-injury form, sure. I don't count on that. We don't know what the Odell Beckham in 2023 you're going to get is. And I, I, from the Ravens' perspective, this is a crazy contract. But I, obviously, there's other factors at play. Like, they want to keep Lamar Jackson happy and everything. From the Jets' perspective, I'm very, very happy they didn't make this deal. And if anyone is using this to further a narrative of, oh, the Jets can't seal deals with free agents, that's very silly because this there's no way they should have come close to matching this. You know, it's strange times when the Jets look like the relatively stable organization and the Baltimore Ravens are doing the desperate overpay. That is a yeah. sharp 180. I want to bring up the contract details really quick. This is Tom Pelissero reporting on the one year deal. 13 million, 13.8 million dollars signing bonus. So up front, mm -hmm. 13 million dollars, almost 14 million dollars. For a guy whose legs are two pulled pork sandwiches right now, he's got that in his kneecaps. That's what you're giving him immediately. And then $1.1 million base salary and $3 million in reachable incentives, which from the looks of the incentives, he's going to reach. This is a preposterous deal. Now, some may not have loved the Alan Lazard contract, considering that he was never really a 1,000-yard receiver, despite the fact he had Aaron Rodgers alongside him. I, I like his red zone potential. I still don't know if he's got a thousand yards in him right now. Eleven million for him is a much better deal than eighteen million dollars for Odell Beckham. Christian Kirk, number one receiver on a playoff team, got eighteen million. This is what they're giving to Odell. I get that he made the great catch. I get that he's been a Pro Bowler. I get that he's cool. I get that Lamar Jackson even wanted him, and they want to appease Lamar Jackson. You can't do this. Joe <laughs> Douglas could not have made that contract offer. But like, like people ripping on the Jets, oh, they didn't land Odell. If they signed him for this price, they would have been the same people. Oh, my God, typical LOL Jets, desperate overpay. You, you can't win here. 
that's the narrative. That's the, it's the same people that are still saying, LOL, the Jets still don't have a quarterback, you know, ignoring the obvious in the room here. Uh, I will say the way that the Ravens structured it is it, it like admit, and we'll talk more about this with our next player that we're going to talk about, but it mitigates cap hit in 2023. I believe he only has like a three or four million dollar cap hit this year. He just has void years. Like they added void years. I think his dead cap next year is 11 million. So barring an extension, they're going to be on the on the hook for 11 million in dead cap next year. So in in the short term, it really doesn't hurt them that much. It's just they're really pushing that dead money into next year and into the future. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm totally with you. Anybody that's arguing the Jets should have come close to paying this, it's very silly. Uh, the Lazard contract was, I believe, the most expensive wide receiver contract that anybody had gotten this offseason up until Beckham's, uh, at least at a, at a, on a you know per year basis. So it's just it's it's amazing to me. It's amazing to me that a player who he hasn't played in two years, he last had a thousand yards in 2019. He last had 1,100 yards in 2016, right? Like that's that's seven years ago. The last time he had 1,100 yards, uh, which Garrett Wilson had last year, right? With the, some of the worst quarterback play in the NFL. So it's amazing to me that he got that money. Good for him. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for Lamar Jackson because he seems to be happy. I'm happy for Ravens fans because at least they seem like it, it seems as though. They're happy because Lamar Jackson's happy and because this makes it more likely Lamar Jackson's going to stay. And if that's the case, maybe you could argue it's worth it. But thankfully, the Jets didn't have to worry about that. They're getting Aaron Rodgers regardless of what's going to happen. We don't need to talk about that, but it is still going to happen. Um, so I, I'm very happy with it. Miko Harbin got, gets a max deal of about $6 million. Do you really think Odell Beckham is going to essentially provide three times the production of Miko Harbin next season? Like, just Just no. frame it like that. Now, one thing that I think became very clear, as we alluded to a little bit earlier, is that the Jets did not view Odell as somebody that is going to make or break the wide receiver. It doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to stop adding it was Odell or bust. They might still add some people, but he definitely was not a guy that they had to have. It was a nice-to-have guy. One guy who could be a have-to-have-him guy, if he becomes available, is DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins, as we all know, uh, currently with the Arizona Cardinals after a stellar career with the Houston Texans back in Deshaun Watson's uh, formative years. Deshaun Watson, I don't know why I put the emphasis on Deshaun like that, but <laughs> went back when he was with the Texans, gets traded to the Cardinals, and he's maintained elite play for pretty much the last half decade and then some. From 2015 to 2020, it's a six-year stretch. Four Pro Bowls, three first-team All-Pros, and he averaged 1,400 yards a year and nine touchdowns. Now, he's been banged up the last two years, but even then, per 17 games, he's averaging 1,100 yards and 10 touchdowns. There are very few receivers in the league that can just dominate one-on-one coverage like him, win jump balls like him, be a red zone threat like him. This is a unique talent. Now, the Cardinals, the Arizona Cardinals, are very clearly trying to rebuild. I don't know how that's going to work if they're just bottoming out because they have Kyler Murray on that big contract, so you think they'd want to win a little bit. It seems like they're tearing it down to the studs, which means that Hopkins could be available. And for some reason, there's this bizarre anti-Hopkins sentiment that, oh, he's getting older and he's not what he was with the Texans and the Jets are buying a lemon and blah, 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 blah. Like, Open your eyes, people. You Use your noodle. Are we watching the same DeAndre Hopkins? This guy's still an elite player. I get that he's going to be older. He's going to be uh, 31 in June, but 31 is not like 42 for a wide receiver. It's a, You should slightly worry about it, not to the point where you should completely abandon the idea of trading for him, 
He's got a big contract. I get it. I get he's got a big contract. He's got uh, two more years with a $30 million cap hit and a $26 million cap hit. That is a lot of scratch for a guy who's also been hurt the last two years. I get that. Picture in your mind, if you will, a Jets offense, because they're going to have Aaron Rodgers. Oh, they might trade him somewhere else. Not happening. They're going to get Aaron Rodgers. You have Garrett Wilson on one side. You have DeAndre Hopkins on the other side. You have Alan Lazard and Miko Hardman supplementing them. And then you have Brees Hall running the ball. How many skill position players groups would be better than that in the league? One or two? You have the ability to do something transformative. Now, I get that you want to hold on to your assets. Fair point. Don't want to completely just mortgage the the family farm. Get DeAndre Hopkins. But the reason you hoard assets is because when guys like this become available, you freaking go get them. There's not going to be a DeAndre Hopkins available all the time, much like how there's not often an Aaron Rodgers available. Jets have been very gung-ho and going after him. You got to be very gung-ho and getting DeAndre Hopkins. There's cap shenanigans you can do to make that contract work if you get him. For sure. I, I want to address some of the, the common, like, criticisms or qualms people have with trading for DeAndre Hopkins because there is a shocking amount of people who don't understand the situation who think the Jets can't afford it who think he's not good anymore who think the Jets don't need a receiver I want to address all of those first I'll address the latter right so the Jets don't need a receiver I don't totally disagree with that I think the Jets wide receiver room right now is fine it's competent it's okay with Corey Davis it's a pretty solid room. I think you've got a really good wide receiver one in Garrett Wilson, and then a bunch of complimentary guys. You got Alan Lazard, you got Corey Davis, you got Miko Hartman. If they wanted to keep Corey Davis, those that's that's a good wide receiver or, or foursome at wide receiver, essentially. That's not bad, especially when you have Brees Hall, Tyler Conklin, CJ Uzama. That's a pretty solid skill position group. But the Jets right now, they're not looking for for solid. They're not looking for a acceptable, a good receiver room. They're not looking for a good roster. They need superstar players. Right now, they need blue chip talent. If they're going to legitimately compete for a Super Bowl this year, which is their goal, that's their plan. That's why they're trading for Aaron Rodgers, because they want to compete with the best of the best in the NFL. If you want to do that, DeAndre Hopkins is a player you trade for. That's why the Dolphins just went out and traded for Jalen Ramsey. Like Guys like that aren't made available a lot. It's very rare. DeAndre Hopkins is a special, special, special talent. We can talk about that in a moment, but... The Jets don't necessarily need a wide receiver, but there's always room for players like DeAndre Hopkins. And like you said, Garrett Wilson, DeAndre Hopkins, that's one of the best, if not the best, wide receiver duo in the NFL. There's there's a lot of really good duos out there. The Bengals have a great duo. The Eagles have a great duo. Garrett Wilson and DeAndre Hopkins might be the best, legitimately might be the best. And Alan Lazar and Miko Hardman are excellent complementary pieces to go along with Brees Hall and the tight ends. So for starters, yeah, they don't necessarily need a wide receiver, but that's not the point here. It's not always filling needs. It's adding superstar players to the roster when the opportunity is available. Second, DeAndre Hopkins is still a great player. I don't know where the narrative has gotten started that he's not still a great player. Maybe it's people like people comparing him to Odell. People just people have said the same thing about Jalen Ramsey when he was traded. It's like, oh, he's compared DeAndre Hopkins to Odell. Like, I want names. <laughs> oh, it's all, dude, it's all over Twitter. It's all over Facebook. It's oh, everywhere. Goodness. It's bad. Uh, and it's, it's people said the same thing about Jalen Ramsey when he was traded. Ah, he's washed. Just because a player is old doesn't mean they're bad. Like Jalen Ramsey is still one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. Oh, he and, took one minor step back. He's not going to get 1,700 yards every year. Oh, my God, he's radioactive. Don't touch him. Right. That, like, that's a good way to analyze football to think yeah, like that. Like, totally I, think, 
at his peak, sure, Hopkins was a top three receiver. Do I think he's a top three receiver right now? No, but I think he's healthy, a top 10 receiver, probably, at least borderline top 10, which is roughly around where Garrett, Garrett Wilson's probably top 15, top 20, could be even better this year. So if you get two top 15 receivers on your team, that's amazing. DeAndre Hopkins last year in nine games was because he was suspended. So it wasn't like he was injured a lot of last year. He was suspended for PEDs. He was on pace for almost 1,400 yards and 120 catches. He averaged 80 yards per game. <laughs> like that is true wide receiver one, top 10 wide receiver numbers. And he did that catching passes from, from Colt McCoy and Trace McSorley for half of those games. That's like that's the production we're talking about from DeAndre Hopkins. So I don't get how anyone can say he's washed. He was excellent last season. Uh, he had the injuries in 2021. Of course, the injuries can be a concern, but he's been mostly healthy throughout his career, too. It's not like he's been a perpetually injured player. Uh, of course, he's getting older. You never know how it, how, it, how it goes, but that's the NFL, right? That's that's how the NFL works. He's a superstar player right now. He maybe not doesn't necessarily fill a need, but he is a star player that that makes your offense significantly better. And the last thing I want to talk, I know I'm going on right now, but the last no, thing. No, no, no. Yeah, I, I love this. And uh, another thing. <laughs> I'm trying to 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 just destroy all these narratives because they're so dumb. They're really dumb. Like I, I hate to say it that way, but they are. The the whole narrative about the Jets can't afford DeAndre Hopkins. They absolutely can afford DeAndre Hopkins. Just like the Dolphins could have afforded Jalen Ramsey, the Jets can absolutely afford to trade for DeAndre Hopkins. One, there are ways to mitigate cap space, which is what the Jets have been doing all offseason. They added void deal, avoid years to Quentin Jefferson's deal. They, they've done this with numerous contracts so far this offseason as a way of mitigating cap space. Miko Hardman's cap hit this year is like 1 million because they are mitigating, they're adding void years to lower that cap space. They can 100% do the same thing with DeAndre Hopkins. Now, that's not to say that DeAndre Hopkins' cap hit is going to be three or four million, but the Jets have a lot more financial flexibility than a lot of people realize. Not, not to mention for you know for starters, Corey Davis. Obviously, they can cut him, trade him. That saves them ten million right on the spot. That doubles their current cap space. They can restructure the deals of Carl or restructure, extend, rework, whatever you want to say with Carl Lawson. They can restructure CJ Mosley. There are there the Jets have a ton of financial flexibility, which is why even though they're tight against the cap now, they know they can and they will have to create this cap space. One, they don't have enough cap space right now to trade for Aaron Rodgers, so they're going to need to do you know make more moves, which I think we talked about last week. This Jets offseason is just moving in slow motion because of the whole Aaron Rodgers deal. But, but yeah, they can afford DeAndre Hopkins. They can absolutely lower his cap hit. He already has said that he's going to rework his deal. They can make it happen, and they should make it happen because he's a superstar player. And the Jets, if they want to compete for the Super Bowl, need superstar players. Here's the here's why I think the Hopkins deal really makes sense just from an organizational point of view is if you really believe in Joe Douglas – you should feel comfortable going right up against the cap because you have to believe in Douglas's ability to restock the team with young, cheap talent in the draft. Like he, he found Garrett Wilson, Jermaine Johnson, Brees Hall, and uh, Sauce Gardner all in one draft on the first two rounds. And now the Jets have for multiple years a bunch of star players on the cheap. If you don't believe that he can do that again with acquiring Hopkins, then I then you don't believe in Joe Douglas. And I believe in Joe Douglas. There are some I have my reservations. I'll say that. Overall, I like the guy. Overall, I believe in the guy. I also I believe if he he might be able to wiggle around as much in free agency as he hasn't past years. But you know what? That's the cost of doing business in the NFL right now. That's the cost of getting guys like this. Other teams make it work. I'm not saying the Saints are the best example, but 
Go look at how tied up against the Caps some of the other teams were in the last few years that ended up going to the championship or close to it. This is just yeah. what you got to do. You can get De- it's not like you get DeAndre Hopkins. The Jets are never going to sign anybody for two more years because of DeAndre Hopkins. Like the, there's ways you can work around it. That's why every GM's interested in getting him because he's good. And there's ways you can work around that contract. I'm not saying it's an amazing contract. I'm saying that there's ways you could play with the money. Right. And he's going to rework his deal probably anyway. So he's still owed some money regardless if you rework your deal. But I think it was Spudtrack projected at around like three years, 70 million, which that's, I think, 23 and a half per year, probably. Maybe I didn't, I haven't taken a math class since high school, but that sounds right. Uh, something like that, which oh. that's what I do. I don't want to do quick math on the spot. I, <laughs> I don't want to do it. Um, but they, like an addition, though, man. Like, <laughs> Uh, uh, it's not, no, I can't do it. Uh, but <laughs> they, uh, but yeah, they can add void years to that deal. They can totally make it manageable and, and, and workable. And that's, that's the most important part here. Uh, I was going to say something else and then the math threw me off. Uh, I don't, <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I, I want to bring up a comment by Ronnie in chat Go really quick that, uh, I want to kind of focus on where he said, I think we should pursue Hopkins even for a one or two year deal. Like Aaron Rodgers is not going to be here for four or five years. Mm-hmm. If you have Deandre Hopkins for two years, that's a good way to go about getting Aaron Rodgers more support. Yeah. I'm not saying you want to just completely give a, be like George Allen and give away eight years of first round picks to help this team win now. I know it worked for the Rams. It doesn't work for everybody, but this is a reasonable risk to take because especially because he's not going to cost like 13 overall. You now have two seconds. You have future picks. You have late round picks that you could throw, not throw away, but give to the Cardinals to incentivize them that you can get DeAndre Hopkins and not mortgage the future like people are afraid of. Yeah. And it's not even going to cost a second round pick. I don't think it costs a day two pick. Like from what's been reported, there was even talk that he could be released, right? Because teams just don't like, they know the Cardinals are are pretty much desperate to get rid of him. They are a a selling team that is not going to compete this year. They know that because Kyler Murray is going to miss a lot of the year. They're not competing. They want to get these older assets off the team. So they're really, they're going to move DeAndre Hopkins most likely. And teams realize that. So I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, I'd be a little surprised if he was released, but I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't even go for a day two pick. Like we're not talking anything significant in compensation here. I'm not worried about compensation at all. I know the Jets don't have a ton of draft picks this year, but I wouldn't be surprised if they move down in the first round, try and get some more picks. Cause I don't think Joe Douglas wants, you know, four or five draft picks. I think he's going to want at least a couple more. Um, but the compensation, that's not a concern to me. And I've also seen people say, like you mentioned the Rams, I've seen people legitimately argue against the Hopkins deal. Be like, well, we don't want to be like the Rams. What are we they doing? Want a Super Bowl. What are we? And first of all, yes, they want a Super Bowl. I'll gladly be like the Rams. Second of all, it worked. The Jets are nowhere near that. They have like, they have a, a bunch of young assets still on rookie deals. Brees Hall, Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson. You got a guy like DJ Reed who's on a pretty affordable deal. They have a lot of dudes on very good deals. And not to mention, they have a ton of future uh, financial flexibility. Carl Lawson's contract is off the books this year unless they extend him. CJ Mosley's contract is going to be off the books soon. They can move on after this year. John Franklin Myers is as well. The Lakin Tomlinson they can get out of. Like They have a lot of future financial flexibility beyond 2023. They're not stuck in any way, which is why Joe Douglas knows he can push a little dead money into the future, which is what they've been doing. And it's probably what they'll do with the Aaron Rodgers deal as well. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to have a $35 million cap hit in 2023 because the Jets can't afford that. They're not going to do that. And so I, it's just, it's the same thing with Hopkins. If they want to compete, if they want to go all in, right? Because I say all in because it sounds like – if I say all in, it sounds like they're 
putting all their chips into this year and they're screwed for the future. That's not what it is. All in means they're going to try and compete this year. They're going to do everything they can to win this year. Trading for DeAndre Hopkins is absolutely the best move they can make right now. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Now, now we are both all in on the DeAndre Hopkins. We think this would be an amazing deal, even though some people don't want to emulate these Super Bowl champion Rams. <laughs> Apparently, that's something that not everybody is in on doing for a team that doesn't want a Super Bowl since the late 60s. Apparently, even if you don't want to do it, we are all in on the, the idea of a Hopkins trade. He's not the only one, though, in the rumor mill. There are some rumblings that Devin White, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers linebacker, who is currently... Uh, getting ready to start his fifth NFL season. He wants out. And the linebacker room has been a bit of a weak spot for the Jets because they had the best cornerback tandem, I think, statistically in the league last year and Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed. The safeties were not amazing, as we've discussed, but at the very least, like they were below average, but like they're not to the point where they were so awful, like unplayably bad. Lamarcus Joyner kind of was, but like in totality, it wasn't like they were ranked 31st or 32nd in the league for safety tandems. The linebackers weren't amazing. I know CJ Mosley made all pro, but that, that was a reputation pick. That was a guy who gets a lot of tackles and he's a leader. Good player. Not saying he's bad, not an all pro kind of inflated how good the linebacker room looks as a whole. Quincy Williams. I know he got extended again, decent player. I'd say above air, but not somebody that's really gonna make a huge impact on your defense. So, with the Jets having picks to trade and a need at linebacker, why not get Devin White? Here's why. <laughs> Using tackles to evaluate linebacker play is one of my big bugaboos, one of my big issues, because like it, sometimes it works out. Sometimes you can have a ton of tackles and be amazing, like Luke Keekley or a guy like Bobby Wagner. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it also just means they're throwing the ball a lot at you or running at you, and you happen to be the guy who stops them. So Devin White, honestly, his first two years, uh, his second and third year, excuse me, uh, with the Buccaneers, he was pretty excellent. Pro bowler and all pro. He had 13 sacks as a middle linebacker and 268 tackles. That, that's Those are pretty good numbers. And he was a perfect young guy flying around Todd Bowles' defense. We all remember Todd Bowles' defense, what they ask of their linebackers. He played well. Last year, the numbers looked good. Five and a half sacks, 124 tackles. He was just getting demolished at certain points in the passing game. Like there's an old meme that goes around Twitter of Kyle Shanahan where he, he's looking into a microscope and then there's the middle linebacker for that week's game and he's got him in a microscope. So many offense coordinators had Tevin White in that. So he's a guy who I think might honestly require, I think a Hopkins like package where I think right now you're gonna have to give up a pre not a premium first round pick, but like a mid round pick of some value something later, and then maybe one more asset. So if you're going to have similar packages for those two players, you have to go for Hopkins over Devin White. Not that Devin White's completely broken and useless. His value is just as low as it's ever been right now. I don't think it's the right move for the Jets. So I want to quash that, that, that rumor before it really starts to gain legs. 
I completely agree. I and I also don't even think the Bucs are going to end up trading Devin White because I don't know. I don't think any team is going to give him the contract he's looking for. He's reportedly looking to become the highest paid linebacker in football, and that—that's <laughs> crazy. Oh like, my! That is, I know, right? That's crazy. Like Fred Warner is somewhere sulking if that happens. Like that's crazy. Um, but all, I mean, also, yeah. So in terms of who he is as a player, I, I absolutely agree. I think that he's not close to being worth it. I want to throw out another point too. The Jets already have C.J. Mosley under contract, and I know they can theoretically get out of it after next year, and maybe the the, the major cap hits wouldn't necessarily you know uh, align with each other essentially. Um, but that's so much money to be investing at the linebacker position, way more than I think Joe Douglas wants to. Way more. I don't think Joe Douglas wants that C.J. Mosley contract. He just kind of got handed it. He got stuck with it. Uh, and like you said, Mosley is a good player. Like Mosley is is a very important player in that Jets team. Even ignoring like you know maybe he has some some flaws on the field, but he's a very important team leader. He's the defensive captain. He is the leader of that defense. Um, but you know, adding Devin White is that would be that would be just so much money invested in that position. Not to mention, he was bad last year. Like, he was not good. He was a below average player. I feel like Devin White is the perfect representation of like the modern day, how linebackers are in, in today's NFL. Because you really have like a couple of elite dudes who are really good every year, like your Fred Warners. I'd even throw Bobby Wagner in that category, even though he's a little slower than he used to be. He's still an excellent player. Then you get the, your Devin White types, where they're just. They have their moments. They're really flashy. They have their moments of brilliance, but they're just super inconsistent. It's a very volatile position. Uh, and also, I think we talked about this on the show. There's a lot of off-ball linebacker contracts that have aged very, very, very poorly over the last, like, six, seven years. Like, Quan Alexander, Leighton Vander Esch, I think, got paid. Zach Cunningham. There's Ryan Edmonds almost got, like, $100 million from the Bears this offseason. I know it. It's crazy. Like there's so many off-ball linebacker contracts that got that have aged very poorly. There's very few that have aged well. Deion Jones, another one. Did I say Quan Alexander? Quan Alexander as well. Quan Alexander. There you go. So I said him twice. Now, sorry, Quan. That's how that. bad it was. <laughs> I, I know. I'd love to have him back with the Jets, not at like you know twenty million a year or whatever. But I, I'd love to have him back with the Jets. Uh, but yeah, there's just it's just it's so many and like and it's because the position is so volatile. We see that with Devin White. Like Devin White, sure the numbers look great. He had five and a half sacks last year. He's a genuine playmaker. But he's also super inconsistent as, as a run defender and in coverage. I was pulling up some stats while you were talking. He's missed 13% of his tackles in his career. And he has a, 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 a allowed a passer rating in coverage of 106.9. He had one of the, the highest passer ratings allowed in coverage of any linebacker last year. This is the guy who wants to be the highest paid linebacker in football. Like how so essentially every quarterback throwing at if you threw it at him every play, you'd be Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Like, how do you, how, how do you justify that? And, you know, like he's a, he's a, a very exciting young player and he has special moments. That's why he was a pro bowler. And, and I also think he was a little more consistent in the past, but this year was bad. He was exposed badly this year. Uh, and just, he's just not good enough for, for, you know, for what the bucks would ask to trade for him and what he's asking to be paid. It just, it doesn't make sense for the jets or any team for that matter. Here's the other thing that, I'm, that I have some concerns with. Now, Todd Bowles, as we know, defense coordinator of the Bucks, promoted to head coach. He was still very hands-on with that defense, but he clearly was not. didn't have as many of his fingerprints over it. So how many Jets fans complained about Jordan Whitehead not being what they thought he was? He was not as good as he was in Tampa Bay. Well, part honestly, I think Todd Bowles' defense, like some players just work in certain defenses, and Jordan Whitehead worked for whatever reason in Todd Bowles' defense. 
I don't know how. He just did. He was much better than he was with the Jets. Devin White's coming from that exact same thing. And then his first year in a system that is not Todd Bowles specifically controlling every facet of that defense because he's the head coach. He's got so many other things to worry about. He looks below average. That's a big warning sign because then he's going to go to Robert Sala, who I know there's some similarities, but generally I think there you could see there's two pretty distinct general philosophies. How do we know he's even adjusts to that well? He might be worse in that scheme. Yeah, that's I, uh, really like you're really trading for a lemon here, that in my opinion, yeah. with Devin White. I'm not saying he's awful. I'm saying if you give up premium assets for him, that that's like a check my brain moment. <laughs> my my take here, and I don't know if this is gonna upset people, but I think you get about 80% of what Devin White is with Quincy Williams. Ooh, okay. I think they are very similar volatile players where, you know, Quincy Williams will miss his share of tackles. He'll also just absolutely destroy people probably once a game, uh, but he'll miss his share of tackles. He, he'll have his inconsistencies and inconsistencies in coverage, but he's a super exciting, athletic, hard hitting player. I see a lot of that with Devin White as well. Now I, they play different positions. White is more a middle linebacker and, and Quincy Williams is, I don't think he's ever going to hold up as a true Mike linebacker. Uh, but in terms of that same volatility, that athleticism, you're getting a lot of what Devin White is in Quincy Williams. And that's not a great thing because Quincy Williams is a super volatile player in his own right. Uh, but it just, it doesn't make sense. The Jets still need another linebacker. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to bring back Quan Alexander. I don't, I don't want them to roll with who they have right now. I don't want that third linebacker to be Jamie and Sherwood or Hamza Nasrallin. Maybe they're ready for it. I I don't know. I've always seen Sherwood as like the success, successor to CJ Mosley anyway, as like the Mike linebacker of the future, if if he can develop into that role. Uh, but, you know, the Jets need a third linebacker. Maybe it's Quan Alexander. Maybe they say it's add someone in the draft. Maybe it's another free agent. It's not going to be Devin White. Like, I, I'm pretty confident we could say that. Now, we've been talking a lot about players that the Jets do not have and might be interested in. Let's talk about who they do have because, Justin, as the song goes, if you can't be with the one you love, you gotta love the one you're with, man. Yeah, there, there. <laughs> what song is that? I don't know that song. What song is still the Nash, dude. You just oh, alienated man. every listener we have over 45. I, I, yeah, well, I'm not over. My dad's really pissed. I know that. But I know Crosby oh. still the Nash. I don't know the song. Sorry. All right. So <laughs> let's love the ones we're with, or at least discuss the ones we're with, because I don't really love either of these signings. Quentin Jefferson, a defensive lineman who we mentioned in the last couple shows as a guy who could come in and be a nice depth piece. He is signed after a decent year with the Seattle Seahawks. And then Tim Boyle, who really is a puzzling one for me. He was the backup quarterback with the Detroit Lions last season. He's also been with the Green Bay Packers in the Nathaniel Hackett, Aaron Rodgers uh, brain trust. Uh, I'm going to talk about Boyle first because Boyle is the one I really don't get. And I get that box score numbers are a little silly to just look at, but for a position as important as backup quarterback, because I hear people go, oh, once you're starting, you know, backup quarterback comes in, we're screwed. I don't subscribe to that. Look at the Niners. It's incredibly important. Mm -hmm. Tim Boyle, I don't know if it's nepotism or, or what. He has numbers that just boggle the mind. So he plays for three years in college at UConn. Do you know how many touchdowns he threw in three years? I do. In uh, 25 <laughs> games? It's one. One. Guess <laughs> how many interceptions he threw? 13. One touchdown, 13 interceptions, goes to Eastern Kentucky. The Colonels over in Eastern Kentucky, 11 touchdowns, 13 interceptions in the on the bright light, the bright stage, the, you know, the the pulse pounding action that happens in Richmond, Kentucky. He wilted. 
Then he goes to the NFL, ends up bouncing around a couple years with Green Bay and Detroit, three touchdowns, eight interceptions. So if you do the math, he has 15 touchdown passes and 34 interceptions. That's like Sid Luckman 1940s numbers. That's not professional backup quarterback. Literally the only reason that I believe Tim Boyle is on the Jets is just that he knows Nathaniel Hackett's offense. Now that's fine. And at least they signed a backup quarterback to kind of take Zach Wilson away from the, he has to be quarterback too. At least now there's some element of competition. You could have done that without, without signing a guy like Tim Boyle. There's so many better options out there. I'm not saying every backup quarterback's got to be a home run, like a Jacoby Brissett kind of thing, or uh, like a Gardner Minshew, but, I mean, this is the best you could do, Jets? Really? Just because he knows Nathaniel Hackett, you're going to fill that important of a position with this guy? I, I'm with you. I forget if it's on the show or not, but I know you've ranted to me about Tim Boyle in the past, way before the Jets even signed him. <laughs> I, I forget if that was just on the show or not. But, uh, but yeah, like I, I assume... back, like episode like two or three or something, yeah. when we were still like, there's no way they're going to hire Hackett and then. There you go. <laughs> I, I, I immediately thought of you when they signed him, and I was like, oh, Mike's going to hate this. Look, I, I when they first signed Tim Boyle, my immediate thought was, okay, they signed a veteran quarterback. First of all, vindication, because I've been saying that for months now, and people were like, ah, Zach's definitely going to be QB2, which he totally could be. I'm not saying that he's not going to be. But I said that they would they would bring him in, or they bring in some competition. Like They would bring in another quarterback to at least compete with Zach Wilson as QB2. That's what Tim Boyle is. Now, I've also said that 95% of quarterbacks they could add realistically would be better than Zach Wilson. Tim Boyle's in that maybe that 5% where I'm like, oh man, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I know Zach was awful last year, but Boyle's bad. Like he's bad. So we'll see what happens this summer. I imagine that they're going to just compete for the backup job. Uh, The way that they structured Tim Boyle's contract, they can pretty much caught him for nothing. I think it's like, $75,000 $75,000 is, is all he got guaranteed. And he gets another 75 K if he's on the um, roster come week one. So there's like no money tied up in his deal. They can cut him at any point. He's most likely there. Like you mentioned, because he knows the offense also as a way, I know this was said by, by Rappaport or whoever said it, Jeremy Fowler, whoever said it when they first signed him, it was like, Hey, if Aaron Rodgers still isn't there by the time mini camp at OTAs come around, at least you have a guy that can run the offense. So I, Guess there's some value in that. Sure. You know who I would have liked? I would have liked Josh Johnson better in that role because he also knows the offense. He played with Nathaniel Hackett last year. Uh, but for whatever reason, the NFL seems to hate Josh Johnson and seems to love Tim Boyle. And I don't know why that is. Um, I think yeah. I have an idea. Who, who knows? Who knows? I think um, you know where I'm going. I do, I do know where you're going with that. <laughs> uh, I, I would love Josh Johnson here, man. He, he's, he's a great dude. Um, but yeah, Tim Boyle. Dude, I, I at least, I'll say this. This gives Zach Wilson every opportunity in the world to be the backup quarterback in 2023, right? If that's what the Jets goal was, if they want that Zach, if they wanted Zach Wilson to have every opportunity to win that QB two job, he has it. Like there is no reason that if he, unless he looks like the player he did for a lot of last year, if he shows any signs of progress this summer that he can't beat out Tim Boyle because Tim Boyle's bad. Tim Boyle's not good. Right. I don't know what to expect. I don't know what to predict. I, maybe I still think Tim Boyle is going to be the backup come week one. I don't know. Uh, and I think that there's a decent chance they carry three quarterbacks regardless. Um, but yeah, at least it gives Zach Wilson some competition. And I'm happy about that. I've been banging the table for that for months. I've been preaching that. Now, all the other options I would have preferred, they weren't signed. But at least it's someone. At, at least it's somebody. 
See, this is to me, it seems like a bigger referendum on Zach Wilson. I think this may be almost as like an organizational ultimatum where like if you can't beat out Tim Boyle, like who can you beat out? Yeah. I think that it's I think they've reached that point with Zach Wilson where it's like, look, we know that the last two years have not gone very well. We're gonna give you we're not gonna bring in a guy like a Jacoby Brissett or something like that, where you know pretty firmly he'd be the backup. There wouldn't really be an element of competition in any of this. If you can't beat out this guy who was overwhelmed by UConn's opponents and whatever was going down in Eastern Kentucky, if that was too much for the guy, and then somehow, I don't know what kind of monkey's paw finger just curled up to end up uh, end up giving Tim Boyle a, uh, a job like this. If you can't beat this guy out, who can you beat out? Yeah. I think that I, I do like that they're being a little firm with him with that. Now, on to Quentin Jefferson, because I've said in the past that when they were discussing both Al Woods and Quentin Jefferson, I would have preferred Al Woods, just because I think Al Woods right now is a natural uh, run stuffer, and I think that that's what they need, as opposed to Quentin Jefferson, who's more of a interior disruption, pass rush specialist kind of guy. They have guys who can do that. I'm not saying Quentin Jefferson is just going to get completely obliterated every single run snap, but I think there are probably better schematic fits out there. I'm not too pissed off with the Quentin Jefferson thing. He's a fine player. He'll get some sacks. Nathan Shepard left. He could be a pretty natural replacement. I just think that they this shouldn't be the end of their defensive line out. And they can get a guy in the draft. They could get a more natural run stuffer. They maybe could get Al Woods. If this is the end of it, I'll be a little perturbed. I, I agree completely. I, I don't I don't first of all, I don't think it's the end of their defensive tackle pursuits. I believe they they at least will add somebody, whether it's a at a minimum, a day three pick or something, they'll add somebody to that room because you have Quentin Williams, you have Quentin Jefferson, and you have Solomon Thomas. Unless you're expecting someone like Tanzel Smart or uh, the Isaiah Mack, who they picked up off waivers, like to, to compete for a roster spot or to get that fourth defensive tackle role, I'm I'm very confident they're going to add someone because they rotate their D line a lot. They need to be at least four deep at defensive tackle. Um, you know, I, I know they can move in John Franklin Myers inside. They can move Michael Clemens there. They had four D tackles last year. I expect that to be the same this year. What is good is that soon after that Quentin Jefferson signing happened, it was it was Connor Hughes reported uh, that the Jets were still interested in signing Al Woods. He even threw out Ashawn Robinson's name as well. Uh, and those are your two probably best and most prototypical run stuffers on the market still. Uh, and so if you if you sign Al Woods or Quentin Jefferson, that's a really good defensive tack room in my opinion. I, you got Quentin Williams. You got. Al Woods or Ashawn Robinson, who are your true two-down run stuffers, your early-down run stuffers. Quentin Jefferson is an upgrade over any backup pass rushing D-tackle they had last year, whether it was Solomon Thomas or Nathan Shepard. And then Solomon Thomas is back as your fourth D-tackle. That's fine. That's a good room, and that's a way to turn what was a weakness a few weeks ago, a month ago, into a legitimate strength. Um, if their goal, if their plan is to start Quentin Williams and Quentin Jefferson – I don't think that's a good idea, but given the contract that they gave him, I believe his contract details came out today. Uh, Field Yates reported it's a one-year deal worth uh, $3.6 million in base value. It's $2.75 million guaranteed. Uh, can totally reasonable. Very reasonable. Can max out at 4.25 with incentives. And guess what? They added four void years to mitigate the cap hit. Wow. Like they could do for DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, but like his cap hit's going to be super low this year. I, I If they're adding four void years, it's going to be probably like one, two million, 
max for his cap it this year. So I don't think they see Quentin Jefferson as a starting defensive tackle. At least that's my hope. I'd love to see them bring in Al Woods or Ashawn Robinson. It might not happen until after the draft. Who knows? But I do expect them to add to that room. And if they do, and if they get a run stuffer, even if it's in the draft, if they get a true run stuffer in there, that's a good defensive tackle room. I like the Quentin Jefferson signing because that's a really good, like he's a really good defense, a third defensive tackle. You know, I think whenever you're taking Quentin Williams off the field, which unfortunately it's, it's for like 35, 40% of snaps. It still seems a game that like having Quentin Jefferson be the guy that comes in instead of Nathan Shepard or Solomon Thomas, that's a huge upgrade. And that that's someone who can actually make some noise on passing downs. See the, a lot of Jets fans may not like the idea that there's been so much defensive line focus when like, Oh, we need another linebacker. We need another safety. We need a, this, we need a, that. This is kind of just lying in the bed that you made with Robert Sala because his defense is going to rotate guys. It gets Quinn and Williams irritated, and he still does it. Hmm. That's how committed he is to this whole thing. So while other teams may only need you know, four or five guys they can really trust, the Jets need to know they can go into every game with like seven defensive linemen that they know can be productive as either run stuffers or pass rushers or both in the case of Quinn and Williams. So because of that, you still need to add to this spot. I know that it seems like the just neglecting things and there's the Rodgers. It seems they got a lot of balls in the air. This is a box they absolutely had to check. And you know what? They freaking did it. May not have been with my number one choice, but they did it. They did. Now, and also really quick, like I hate when people say like, oh, like they're doing this when they still don't have Aaron Rodgers. They're doing this when they still don't have blank. That's not how this works. It's not like they're prioritizing one thing or the other. It's not like the Jets said, oh, you know what's more important than trading Baron Rodgers? Signing Tim Boyle. Like, that's not how this happened. It's just the Aaron Rodgers thing is in a holding pattern right now. Both we don't want to, I don't want to talk about it a lot, but it's going to happen. That's, that's going to happen. And then people will be like, oh, they don't have a center yet. Well, it sounds like the center market is, is super slow moving right now. I'm not sure that, that Ben Jones or Connor McGovern or whoever's still out there is going to sign before the draft, and that's totally fine. If the Jets go into the draft without a starting center, they can maybe find one in the draft, and if they don't, hopefully Ben Jones or Connor McGovern, you, you know, you, not even hopefully. You, if you don't add one in the draft, you have to land a starting caliber center, obviously. John Michael Schmitz. Could John. be John Michael Schmitz. <laughs> Absolutely. I know you're banging the drum at 13 for John Michael Schmitz. Um, but yeah, I guess film it, is almost like boring in a sense. Cause he just keeps like doing the same things and winning over and over again. Like it's I like, know. what do you evaluate? It's like, Oh, it, he, he mushed that guy into the dirt again. Nice. <laughs> it feels like Creed Humphrey. I feel like Creed Humphrey's tape was very similar to that. Although Creed Humphrey is a little more athletic, I think than John Michael Schmitz, uh, but still, still pretty similar. But yeah, I like, I, I just, I hate that when people go, Oh, they're doing this when they don't have this yet. They're doing it all. They're 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 trying their best to do it all. Essentially, right? Evaluate the roster in August. Don't evaluate where it is currently now. Just say they still need to do this. But if they sign Quentin Jefferson, that doesn't mean they're not trying to sign a center. That doesn't mean they're not trying to trade for Aaron Rodgers. It doesn't mean they're not trying to explore adding a wide receiver. Like that's that's coming. Don't worry. And now, as we get ready to close the show, thank you guys so much. We go back to our weekly draft spotlight sound the trumpets it is time da, 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 da. we could probably add something in post i think one of these days but for right now <laughs> you have to make do with me doing fully sound effects i, I kind of like the i kind of like the the the, the mouth da, 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 da. i think that that's good it's more real that way it's wrong yeah. <laughs> but uh my guy this week is a guy that i think would be ideal as a second round pick, because the Jets have two, thanks to the Elijah Moore trend. Now, one of them probably going to go in the Aaron Rodgers deal. Maybe both will go. I have no idea. 
All I know right now is they have two. I like to see them keep one. If they get it, they could land an ideal defensive lineman. So get the pronunciation guides out. Remember how to remember this clip. Just save it so you know how to pronounce them in case he's ever a jet. Ade Tomiwa Adebaware, who also apparently goes by Tommy. Wouldn't it have been really funny if you butchered the pronunciation right there? I maybe did. I don't know. No, I am 96% sure I got it right. It's pretty good. <laughs> this guy who goes by Tommy, I believe, mm-hmm. to some, which is a lot easier to say. <laughs> he is was at Northwestern, and he's a guy who every year there's always one guy who never has amazing production, and then he goes to work out and just absolutely decimates everybody else at the combine. A guy that I think, although they're different positions, it reminds me of what Daniil Hunter did after coming out of LSU because Daniil Hunter was not very productive there. And then he just went and destroyed every single workout, and he's become a great player with the Vikings. Adebayore only has uh, 12 sacks in his last three seasons. And he was a four-year guy at Northwestern. So that doesn't sound like production from a guy who was mostly a defensive end, and he's probably going to have to shift inside to defensive tackles. so he got a position change to factor in. That doesn't sound like a guy who's really going to be on the track to NFL stardom. However... If you look at his number, first of all, factor in the fact that he was really the only guy they had on the defensive line for most of that, so they were just doubling him all the time. This guy, at 282 pounds, using the uh, relative athletic score database, shout out to uh, Math Bomb and all those guys, he ran a 449 40-yard deck. Receivers who weigh like 190 aren't running that fast. This guy <laughs> did it at 282. Also, That is the fastest on record for any defensive tackle. Going back to 1987, that's the fastest. His 20-yard split, second fastest. 10-yard split, second fastest. Oh, well, can he jump? 37.5-inch vertical, 10-foot broad jump. Well, is is he agile? 7.133 cone, which is preposterous. 4.26 short shuttle. These these are not real numbers. They look fake. They look like Madden with all the sliders turned down. This is unreal. And because of the Jets' defensive line depth, if they continue addressing it, they have the ability to bring this guy on slowly. They don't need to throw a guy who, production-wise, was an average defensive lineman at Northwestern immediately into the fire against the New England Patriots. They now have the time to work with this guy and let him pick up stuff from Quinton Williams through osmosis and really understand Robert Sala's system. If this guy clicks, it's not unfair to say he could be a perennial all-pro. Because numbers like that, I know that workouts can lie in the underwear Olympics. I get all that. That We've had a bunch of busts like that. Mike Mamula, Vernon Golston, it happens. Every franchise drafts one. This guy is different, I think. If he gets time to really learn the professional game, this guy could be a monster for years to come. Yeah, and he's someone who's who's... His, his stock has just been skyrocketing uh, like, since the combine, essentially. I thought, I think I saw Mel Kuyper had him at like, I think he, he was like top 12 or something like that, which is crazy, right? Maybe, maybe that's how ends up, that ends up happening. Um, those like traits projection guys are always so interesting, especially on the D line. Cause for every like Rayshon Gary, there's like a, I don't know, like a, I mean, Jason or Odafe Owa hasn't exactly panned out super well in Baltimore. Like guys who, they may not have the sack production in college, but you hope that they can get there in the NFL. It's always so interesting trying to project those guys. I have another 
kind of high-end traits guy that I that I selected this week. Now, I wanted to look at a safety because I really still think the Jets should add a safety. And I, I, the options are kind of limited at this stage, but I, I want the Jets to add a more traditional, rangy, free safety because they have Jordan Whitehead, they have Chuck Clark, but they kind of occupy similar roles. The problem is this is not a good safety class. Like I think that's no secret at this point. It's a pretty weak safety class. I know people like Brian Branch and stuff. He's probably the only guy you, you would consider taking on day one. And I don't think he's a great fit for what the Jets are looking for anyway. So I, I wouldn't really be down for a Brian Branch pick, maybe if they trade back, but not at 13. So I, I was really kind of str- – I was struggling to try and find somebody that I'm like, I think this guy can fill that free safety role. And what I landed on – who I landed on was Daniel Scott from Cal, uh, who he, I know he reminds me, and there's going to be a lot of these comparisons for better or worse of Ashton Davis, right? Not only are they both safeties from Cal, but they're excellent athletes. Like that was kind of Ashton Davis's thing coming out of college. He's an excellent athlete, very rangy, just a traits based projection that you're hoping he figures the rest of it out in the NFL. Um, Scott posted the the fastest three cone and short shuttle times at among safeties at the combine. So his stock is maybe a little bit on the rise. He's six foot, 208, excellent length, which helps him in that deep coverage role. He has the speed to play natural free safety with really good range. Although his coverage is, you know, I'd say inconsistent at best. Like he has the speed and the range to get there, but it's just his instincts just aren't there. Uh, he's, you know, he's often caught out of position. His tackling leaves a lot to be desired. Again, it sounds like I'm describing Ashton Davis. Like that's, I feel like I, I feels like I'm describing year three, year four Ashton Davis. Um, but I, I do like Daniel Scott's upside. The, the issue is obviously, or not obviously, but he's 24 years old already. So I don't know how much there is to develop, but if the Jets think that they can develop him, I'm cool with taking a shot at him in, in the third round or in the, in, on day three. Uh, he has plenty of special teams experience, which can help. I think he can at the very worst replace Ashton Davis on the roster with somebody who is, younger essentially and cheaper they can cut ashton davis and save two and a half million which you know the jets are, are trying to save as much money as they can for moves that they're going to make so I, I wouldn't be opposed at all to to you know moving on from ashton davis replacing him with daniel scott that's somebody you can hopefully develop into that free safety role and maybe you know maybe either him or tony adams or somebody can emerge from that safety group as an actual free safety because right now they they really don't have one so i like daniel scott's upside again it's a weak safety class so i'm i'm, I'm kind of you know, I'm scraping, I don't want to say scraping the bottom of the barrel, but I'm trying. I'm trying to find someone who I want. Uh, and he's someone I'd be cool with on, on, on day three. Yeah, I'm a little lower on Scott. I think he's a day three guy, maybe like in that six, seven range. I think at the very least, he gives you the Ashton Davis special teams uh, upside where he can just be a great gunner and just bomb down the field because he is a good athlete. The age thing is worrying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I consider that. And I have two big problems. Number one, Obviously, the tackling for a guy who's 210 pounds, which there are a lot of safeties that play a lot lighter than that. There were a lot of plays where he was just either alligator arm and things or getting bowled over. And I can't use a premium pick on a guy that, like that. And also, I remember watching the Oregon game specifically, and they were uh, to call back to earlier in the show. They were uh, Devin Whiting him. The Oregon offense was Devin Whiting Daniel Scott for most of the game. He didn't look very good. Now, guys can have bad games. I remember Chris Gonzalez got toasted a couple times. You know, like, defensive backs just have games like that. It happens. It's not the end of the world. But he's a guy where I just think outside, like Ashton Davis, the only really physical tool that I see is the speed in terms of what mm-hmm. could really be above average. Now, if it works, you get a guy with fantastic range who you stole on day three. 
which that's what the Jets need for a safety. So I don't think I necessarily would be opposed to that. I just think that, man, if he crashes, you might be looking at another another Ashton Davis, who a guy I liked as a prospect. I'm trying to like learn from my my mistakes of like, why did I like Ashton Davis? What didn't go right? I'm trying to learn from that. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I don't think he's a day two prospect either. I think he's solely a day three prospect. I don't want him in the third round like they draft, drafted Ashton Davis. If he's there fifth round, that's probably when I start to consider him. I think that that's a, a fine range to, to consider drafting him. It's just just because that's that's what the Jets need. It's a weak safety class. And I want somebody that has speed and range in that defense. That's not Ashton Davis. <laughs> and with that, we are going to uh, call curtains on our 15th episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Also, make sure to check us out on YouTube at the Jet Press. We'd love it if I get a little sub right there. Also, if you're on the podcast app, leave a little written review, five-star review. For some for some reason, Apple loves those written reviews, man. It'll really help us. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, William Sprague. You guys are incredible. Thank you. You're incredible, William. How about that? <laughs> so, what a guy. What a guy. Justin, you may address William and our incredible fans. You can take us home. <laughs> William, you're the man. I appreciate the comment there. Yeah, thank you all, including William, for joining us on the show today. You can follow Mike on Twitter at by Mike Luciano. You can follow me on Twitter at Justin T. Freed. Follow the Jet Press on Twitter at the Jet Press. And like Mike just said, you can download the Jet Press podcast wherever you get your podcast. Also, check us out on YouTube. Subscribe, like, hit that notification bell. You guys know what to do at this point. We've told you multiple times. Hopefully done it already. We stream live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Thank you all for listening to the Jet Press podcast. I've been Justin Freed. That's been Mike Luciano. We'll see you guys next week. See you folks next week. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.